Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. I grew up in a tough neighborhood. Sometimes the reputation follows you. Robert De Niro is Al Capone. There is violence in Chicago, of course, but not by me and not by anybody I employ. And I'll tell you why, because it's not good business. Kevin Costner is Elliot Ness. I have sworn to put this man away with any and all legal means at my disposal, and I will do so. Sean Connery is Jimmy Malone. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. You just joined the Treasury Department, son. Pictures presents a Brian De Palma film. I have forsworn myself. I have broken every law I swore to defend. I have become what I beheld, and I am content that I have done right. You got nothing, nothing, and if you were a man, you would have done it now. Never stop fighting till the fight is done. The Untouchables. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod Royale, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films and Bond-related films by those who enjoy, hate, or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. It's side special time again, and this week we'll be taking to the mean streets of 1930s Chicago and going after Al Capone, while also trying not to drink, sound too Irish, or be touched. Yes, it's the Untouchables, and joining me to pack a mahasha is Empire writer and owner of the world's best Connery anecdote, Chris Hewitt. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, John. Uh, you're a cop. You've been walking the beat for 40 years. I'm from Donegal. <coughs> you know, the Sean ones, I mean, we'll get into it. The Sean one, you, you kind of get away with it because he's Scottish. Yes. And the American ear obviously thinks, ah, that's, that'll do. It's, it's weird. He tries for about 30 seconds. And mm. I, don't, I don't know whether the film was filmed chronologically. Mm. I, I really hope it wasn't. Because yeah. if, if it wasn't, that means that he wasn't trying for like weeks at a time. <laughs> and then just for one scene halfway through, decided, you know what? I might be a little bit Irish on this occasion. I thought, nope. I, I didn't as, like it. As far as I can tell, it's just one. There's two scenes where he's properly doing an Irish accent. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's amazing. Didn't he won win an Oscar. Won an Oscar. Yeah, won yeah. an Oscar. 
He's amazing. He's great in the film. Oh. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about him, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm trampling all over stuff now, but uh, he's incredible. But for oh. God's sake, you know, try, try an accent, Sean. Go on. Yeah. As I say, I think Americans just don't care. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> um, I bloody love this film. It's um, a classic. Yes. I also bloody love this film. I think it's absolutely incredible. Um, and I revisited it for this. Mm. Uh, in fact, I finished it about 20 minutes ago. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, uh, and the only thing that stands out for me as being slightly clunky are the scenes with Patricia Clark's. Yes. Yes. And also, it reminds me of JFK, because Costner's basically saying, playing the same part. And he's also got that clunky subplot with his wife and JFK as well that yeah. goes, gets on your nerves. Yeah, the Sissy Spacek character, and you're yeah. going, what, is she going to do anything at any point? Mm, no. no. But she does turn up on his big day at the end, just like Patricia Clarkson does in this, so <laughs> she's done her job. She should have been there to throw Nitty off the roof. That would be think. amazing. They should have tried to get her involved in the action somehow. Yeah. Know? But God, the opening titles of this film, I just adore them. Yes. They're so good. So good, and uh, right from the off. You know, there's a couple of things about the opening titles that, that struck me as, as interesting. So this is 1987, so it's mm. not that long ago for um, us men of a certain age. Yeah. So, so 33, Christ, 33 years. <laughs> and when you say it like that, it sounds like a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, feels like it, was, it feels like it was yesterday. So the interesting thing is that there is an opening sequence for, for one, because mm. um, this is around the tail end of the 80s, and they were beginning to phase out opening sequences. You, mm. know, you know, things like um, Lethal Weapon 2, which just kind of starts you in the middle of the action and just has this crash bang wall uh, opening title mm. you know that that was beginning to uh, that was beginning to kick in so the very fact that there's even something for audiences just you know if you're if you're late if you're late you know just sit down don't worry this is only the credits this is only telling you who's in the film um, but just the, the array of talent that is on display here is incredible and that's you know if you, that's, you can say that about the cast but you go way past that as well Oh my god, yeah. It's ridiculous. So as you say, you've got all the cast, so you've got Connery, Costner, etc. Yeah. Then you've got Giorgio Armani doing all the costumes. <laughs> it's great. David Mamet's written the script. Yeah. And it's directed by Brian De Palma. Directed by Brian De Palma. And the music's by Ennio Morricone. Yeah. And I it's mean, one of his best scores. Easily. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. So this this um this is not called Theme from Untouchables, in case you've got the soundtrack no, exactly. and you want to go straight to it. It's called The Strength of the Righteous. Yes. Uh, which is, you know, pretty much on the nose, but mm. it's I love this score. Mm. I love and I love this theme, one of the great movie themes. And I love the way it develops with the nitty chase at the end as well. Like dun oh. dun 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 dun, dun, dun. Oh, oh yeah, so oh. good. Oh god. So good. But this to me, I mean I I'm someone who I absolutely worship at the altar of Brian De Palma. I think he's an incredible director. Mm. And uh, this to me is just a porn film. I just <laughs> there's so much going on in this film. He uses all these split diopters and oh, it's just and and you know you got De Niro. You know, the first thing we see after the titles is De Niro introducing him as uh, Capone. And this was during his phase where he'd gain and lose weight all the time and everything. Yeah, and when he gave a shit. When he gave <laughs> a shit. Yeah, when he wasn't playing um, Joss Ackland's granddad. <laughs> but, which is, of course, not to say that he doesn't give a shit now. I'm sure no, he does. I'm and sure he does. I have lawyers from the De Niro uh, company uh, standing right here reminding me to tell you that he does, in fact, give a shit. So, yeah, I mean, so I good. saw the Irishman when he played Frankenstein's monster again, and I thought he was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. I'll never stop laughing at the bit where Joe Pesci turns up looking 65 years old and looks at Robert De Niro, who looks 65 years old, and goes, how can I help you, kid? <laughs> Am I on drugs? 
It's like has Marty just forgot to press the de aging button. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It's like how do these things work? It's like you gotta gotta press the button, Marty. Ah, that's too newfangled for me. I'm, I'm not gonna bother with that. Let's just have them as really old men all the way through. It's fine. <laughs> no one's gonna notice. No, no one's gonna care. It's like um, did you see El Camino, the Breaking Bad? No, I haven't movie. watched it yet. So fucking good, hmm. but um, it opens with Jonathan Banks, and this is one of the problems with um, oh god, I'm digressing already, but this is one hmm. of the problems with you know Better Call Saul uh, being a prequel, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention Better Call Saul later on uh, uh, as yeah. well. Spoiler yeah. alert! Hmm. But uh, it's because it, you have it's a prequel to a show that ended in 2013, so all the actors in it are now much older than they were in Breaking Bad. So you have that sort of disconnect, but that's fine. You you can kind of go with it. Hmm. But the beginning of the beginning of uh, El Camino has Jonathan Banks as a flashback. Jonathan Banks as Mike uh talking to Aaron Paul as uh Jesse Pinkman and uh he actually says at one point, "What are you going to do now you're a teenage retiree?" And Aaron Paul is 40 years old. And it's not that, <laughs> it's not that he looks it necessarily because hmm. he looks younger than me and he's, you know, He's well. He is younger than me, but he looks much younger than me. He doesn't look forty, but he doesn't look seventeen either. No, no, he <laughs> so doesn't. Just like, just take that line out, guys. Just, mm. just lose the line. Mm. Or press the aging button. One of the two. One of the two. Uh, but yeah, so De Niro's Al Capone. He's being shaved so and giving a speech, good. and we get this lovely bit of text. Um, again, it's just the Palmer's This beautiful little shot from above. Everything's pristine as you get with him, and it's just saying that we're in 1930 Prohibition City. Uh, uh, sorry, Prohibition Chicago. A city yes. at war. And this is the time of Al Capone. It is. I'm so glad you wrote that down, because I didn't. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought, John will, John will take care of this. <laughs> um, I love this shot. Because one of the interesting things about this movie is that I, I'm also a huge Brian De Palma fan, mm. and uh, this is one of my favourite films of his. Mm. And it's interesting because it doesn't have a lot of his thematic preoccupations. <clears throat> no. It doesn't have a lot of the stuff that marked out his early, you know, his, his, his early kind of fucked up weird films yeah. um, but it feels to Palma to the max mm-hmm. you know as you said the use of split diopter you know there's a lot of that in the movie there's a lot of these really really cool tense wordless set pieces mm. and this opening shot is just brafura in, in a way mm. it's really it's it's full of it sets the uh, it sets the the tone for the movie it sets the idea of um, I read somewhere that he wanted the idea that Al Capone was like Louis the Fourteenth in the court of Louis the Fourteenth. So it was mm. very opulent and grand and extravagant, and mm. he was surrounded by courtiers at all times. And uh, this shot from above, meticulously framed, yeah. you, know, you can just imagine him saying to some of the uh, reporters, go, "Okay, just move a little way out, out of the way. Mm-hmm. Just just move a bit to your left because we're going to put some writing in there, mm. and we can't have you standing under it. You'll be you'll be crushed." Um, and it's just it's so good. It's beautiful. But he basically is saying here, like, I'm not a gangster because. Violence. There's a lot of violence in Chicago. He acknowledges that, but he says violence is bad for business. Yes, I think he might be lying, Chris. I think he might be. I think there might be an immediate cut to something that, that proves him wrong. <laughs> something horrible. <laughs> yeah, a little girl going to a shop who, who's being leaned on by Capone's men to pay protection, essentially. Yeah, and uh, she's yeah. come there to get like a pail of milk, I think, because her mum's ill. Yeah, it's yeah, it's um, a bar, isn't it? It's a yeah, I think it's, it's a, a, yeah. Maybe it's, it's beer a, then. Yeah, maybe she's just going to get some, some poutine or yeah. or some alcohol, three alcohols, three, mm. you know, for, for one for herself, one for her mum. Lovely. Um, yeah, and uh, and and there we have the ne'er do well Frank Nitti, played by Billy Drago. Yeah, recently departed Billy yeah. Drago. Yeah. yeah, but he is so good in this oh. movie. He barely says a word, but he's terrifying. Yeah, 
and he's brilliantly tailored as well. I mean, mm. everyone's wearing George Armani, I presume, <laughs> including the little girl and the, and the barkeep in, yeah. this, in this scene. Uh, and they're, you know, spoiler alert, uh, it's 10 seconds later, the barkeep and the little girl are blown to smithereens. Yeah. It's a hell of a statement of intent. It is. And it's um, one of the few moments where you do sense I, mean, I think it was in the uh, David Mamet script so it's not like Tapama went I'm going to blow up a little child <laughs> but uh, you know it, it feels like one of those moments where there aren't many female roles in this movie mm. and uh, it, you know which is difficult to do it's, mm. you know, it's the untouchables it's about a gang of guys going after a real lad mm. um, but you know this is one of the few female roles in the movie and she gets blown to smithereens within seconds but it's got this this real just real shock. It's like, oh, mm. you've blown up a kid in the first <laughs> three minutes of this movie. What yeah. the hell is going to happen now? Oh, you, you think you're upset about it, Chris, but not upset as Elliot Ness is. <laughs> He's furious. He's furious. His wife's lovingly making him his lunch, which is a very important scene. <laughs> <laughs> and we have this kind of weird point of view. Well, think it's almost kind of point of view, but she's talking to him and he's not responding because we haven't introduced him properly yet. Yeah. You get the back of his head. What's the point of this scene? No point at all. Uh, yeah, I love Patricia Clarkson. She's an amazing yeah. actress. She she is saddled with a sack of shit in this. Yeah. She really is. Mm. She can't. She can't. It's a, it's a turd that is unpolishable. Uh, yeah. Sadly, but she does get to show several times throughout the course of the movie that she she loves her man and stands by her man. Mm. That's all we needed from women in movies made in 1987. <laughs> yeah. We weren't very progressive back then. No. Um, and she she um she pulls back the pages of her calendar as well. That's very very important. She lets mm. us know what date it is. Yeah, and then writes a message for him on the back. Yeah, like that's character development. She writes down, "You could try getting Al Capone on tax evasion." <laughs> <laughs> that's her role in this film. Yes, he, he, he dismisses it. He finds it later and goes, "Guys, I've got it. <laughs> I was here all along." Yeah. Uh, um, so he goes to his first day at work. Uh, yeah. He's been sort of seconded, even though he says later on he says the word seconded as seconded. I noticed. I don't, I, I don't know if that's just a bad lead, line reading or that's how they say it in America. I don't know. I don't know. It's Costner. He's reliable. He's dependable. He gets it right every time. Maybe we've been saying it wrong all this time. Maybe we have. I love Costner. I don't care what people say. Well, who says bad things about Costner? Oh, a, lot of, a lot of people dismiss him as kind of just like a, a lot of fluff and not that great. I think he's brilliant. Those motherfuckers. Yes, quite. I mean, what... You know, I've... Hmm. He is... He's fantastic. And yes, he's made some bad films over the years. But mm. what I love about him is that so this came out in 1987, same mm. year as No Way Out, which mm. is another tremendous movie. Phenomenal and film. So good. So good. And it, he, he, he'd done some stuff previously. He was in uh, Silverado and uh, I think American Flyers. He's in American Flyers, yeah. I think. Something like that. Um, so he was in a couple of things now and then, and you, you kind of noticed him. But... For me, it feels like he almost appeared fully formed, like they'd made him in a lab yeah. somehow. As a sort of, we need a new Gary Cooper, we need a new Jimmy Stewart, and they just went, uh, "Here we go, cut mm. this guy." Because mm. Tom Hanks back then was doing comedies. That's right, yeah. And then all of a sudden, here's this guy who's just like he's already in his mid thirties. He'd already gone through lots of shit in his life, so you know he didn't feel like he was some sort of callow youth. He was uh, he was pretty much fully developed when he arrived. And he's yeah. great in this. He's great in he's great in loads of stuff. Piss mm. off, Costner haters. Yeah, I mean, this and JFK alone are, th- oh. are why I hold him in such high acclaim. I think he's amazing in both. Very similar roles as well, but... Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's the last bastion of uh, the you know uh, the American stronghold and American fortitude, and you know he's yeah. an all American guy. And you know, the thing is that could be really dull, uh, and he sells it so well. And in the same way, like I, I watched his eyes when, when I revisited again half an hour ago when I revisited it. Mm. You know, I was looking at his eyes now and again, and he had he, he was striking some of the same tone and some of the same expressions that Chris Evans does in the Marvel movies. And yes, yeah. uh, I've mentioned the Marvel movies already uh i'm sure it won't be the last time but you know that's another role captain america that could have been so straight down the middle and boring and yeah. yet he manages to, to imbue it with this 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 utter decency and uh you know done right it's not boring no. you know jimmy stewart's not boring no neither's costner and jimmy yeah. stewart didn't have gills <laughs> so so you show me someone with gills and tell me they're boring that's all i'm gonna say um, Good point. Yeah, so Ness has been brought in uh, yes. because he's from the Department of Treasury. He's been brought in to stop the flow of illegal booze and the flow of violence that's occurring in the city. <laughs> they should stop important violence. They should. They? It's been. It's illegal. <laughs> it's illegal. Yeah. That seems stupid. They, it's like we've got no violence. Well, we should import some. No, just don't have any. Guys, we got a tip off. They're bringing in some violence this evening at the bridge, <laughs> at the docks. We should get down there. There's going to be a shootout. Oh no! See, now we're making violence. Oh no! Instantly, <laughs> we hadn't thought about this. <laughs> I have to have stern words with them, but not too stern. Otherwise, I could get violent. Bring in stern words, played by Sean Connery. <laughs> um, yes, stop hit- fucking punching each other, Gosh. you bastards! <laughs> and I'll put the gun in your mouth. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's a, he's going to go on a liquor raid um, where he says, let's do some good. He's going to liquor what? Uh, he's going to liquor raids. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, but, but because there's corruption on the police, they've been tipped off. Yes, they have. They have. Um, tipped and, off uh... before they liquor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This has turned into a, a late Connery film, a yeah. late Connery Bond film. Yeah. Uh, she, he was tipped off before he liquored her. <laughs> I mean, what's going on? Uh, yes, so this is a, this is a big double cross, a big setup to make Elliot Ness look like an Elliot mess. Oh, nice! I didn't even write that down. Well, that why didn't they use that as a headline either? They just put <laughs> Crusader Cop busts out. Yeah, or Umbrella Twat. Yeah. is what I would have gone with. Umbrella Twat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Top Cop looks like Umbrella Twat. <laughs> That'll be the tabloid. <laughs> Yeah, they'd be proud of that. As well. But when he, when he goes into work, well, he, he's before he goes into work the next day, I should say, uh, he decides to go for a walk on a bridge at night and he's very sad. Uh, real bridge. It's real bridge. A real bridge. Real bridge. Not a green, bridge. No green screen here. No, this is real bridge in real Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Um, yeah, but he, he fi- this is where he finds his note from his wife that says, I'm really proud of you. Oh, and then he immediately throws it away. Yeah, he throws it in the river. He thinks, <laughs> fuck you. The sandwich was tasteless and horrible. Yeah, you old you know, slapper. You, you crept up on me from behind and scared the shit out of me. Yeah, I had to change my pants before I went to work on my on my first day. First my new, day. Yeah, and now I'm an umbrella twat. Mm. Now I find your note. You couldn't have just whispered it into my ear. Fuck you. It'd be good if he opened it and said, "Ha ha, you umbrella twat." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, not you as well. Yeah, but he throws it. it in the river just as a, a beat cop is walking Gosh. past him. That's littering. He says, "If you want to throw your trash, pal, throw it in a trash basket." <laughs> Stop throwing things into the river, you twat! <laughs> you umbrella you twat! Umbre- <laughs> Are you the umbrella twat? 
I've been reading so much about in my paper, which seems to have come out uh, at night, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is strange. So the raid was in the early hours of the morning, yet you're reading the paper now at night. Oh, mm. this is how is this working? Anyway, yeah, but uh, yeah, this, this is Connery. This is great. I mean, he's brilliant in this. He's so good, and mm. uh, you know, I take everything back uh, earlier on what I said about him. Um, <laughs> He's 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 tremendous. He deserved yeah. the Oscar. It there was a, maybe a hint of we we're sorry we didn't give you an Oscar for uh, Meteor, mm. so we're mm. making up for it now with yeah. this. Yeah, a little hint of that, but Definitely. by and large, this is just a great performance uh, and worthy of the O Man. Mm. I would say. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I'd be interested to know who he was up against that year. You know, I can find out. Well, that'd be interesting. With the power of the internet, John. Ah. Uh, and uh, if you bear with me. I will. I know that Roger Moore gave it to him. The Oscar, that is. Oh. Um, all right. So he beat... Oh, it's actually a pretty good year. It's yeah. a good year. So he beat Albert Brooks for Broadcast News. Right. He beat Morgan Freeman for Street Smart. Oh, but Christopher Reeve's Passion Project. It really was. Which got, which is why they made that for him doing Superman 4. Fact This fans. is true. Yeah. This is true. Oh, my God. Yeah. It all ties in. Oh. Uh, and of course, Morgan Freeman, you know, he's got he's got two Oscars since, so it's, it's yeah. totally fine. Hmm. Vincent Gardinia from Moonstruck. Yeah. And uh, Denzel Washington for Cry Freedom. Steve wow. Biko. That is like a so, strong year. That's a strong year. Is this the year Cher won Best Actress, then? It is the year yeah. Cher won Best Actress, beating Glenn Close, Holly Hunter, Sally Kirkland as Anna in Anna, a film I have literally no memory of. No, I never heard of it. And, of course, Meryl Streep in the uh, now obligatory Meryl Streep slot. Yes. Was it? Was that for the um, Dingo Ate My Baby? A Dingo Ate My Baby. No, it was for Iron Weed. Oh, that's where she had, she's uh, got Iron Man suit. And she uh, me, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she she smokes loads of weed. <laughs> she goes, "Me husband drunk me baby." I think yeah. that's the uh, the plot of that that film. Uh, it's, it's Trevor Slattery's husband. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, he he's right. uh, so yes, Connery is uh, he. Uh, uh, I'll start again. Ness tries to get his paperwork out to show Connery who he is. Yes, uh, and that's when he discovers he's got a gun. Yeah. And he says, now, all right, pal, why are you packing the Mahashka? See, that's the second time you said that. And mm. I, I've never been able to understand what Connery says. So thank you for eliminating I, that. I actually had some subtitles on because there was a few moments in this where I've never known what he said. So I thought, right, well, fuck it. I'm going to find out what he's saying because I want to talk about this. There's one later on, which I'm so pleased I did that because now I know what he's saying. Oh, great. Okay, we'll yeah, get to that. We'll get to I'm, that. I'm excited, I'm excited about that. So what's a Mahashka? I, I guess it's a gun. Huh. Interesting. I'm going to look it up. Are you sure it wasn't like just the person doing the subtitles didn't understand it, just guessed? Uh, Mahaska was the name of an Indian war chief. So he's got an Indian war chief in his In his coat. pocket. Oh, you're just pleased to shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> Mahaska? Well, yes, but I don't think she'd be very keen. <laughs> is, what, is what Elliot Ness should have said, obviously. Should have done, yeah. No, she, she went of her own accord. <laughs> What does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> but it's one of my favourite exchanges of dialogue here because he says, why have you got the gun? And Ness says, I'm a treasurer, treasury officer. Yes. And Connery just goes, okay, and walks off. <laughs> and then Ness says to him, how, how, how could you turn your back on me? I'm an armed man. And he says, you're, you're a treasury officer. Yeah. He says, well, I didn't show you my ID. And he goes, who would claim to be that who was not? I love that line. Mm. I, 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 there's, there, going back over the film, watching it again uh, 40 minutes ago as I did, yeah. um, I, 
realized that there is so many lines I quote all the time, oh, and they're yeah. they're pretty much all from the Untouchables. Yeah, yes. like 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 you're nothing, nothing yeah. enthusiasms. And, you know, I want his family dead, all that sort of stuff. But uh, there's little lines like like this, like who would claim to be lad, who was not. I often is... walk in and say, ah, the things you see when you're out without your gun. <laughs> And I'm always saying, genuinely, enough of this running shit. Yeah, <laughs> love that. <laughs> uh, apparently, it was a Connery ad lib. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. It's not in the script. But also another good line here where he says, um, "Are you going home now?" And, and and Ness says, "Yeah, yeah, I was about to." And he says, "Good. The first rule of the policing: at the end of your shift, make sure you go home alive." <laughs> <laughs> Some foreshadowing there for yeah. for old Sean. Absolutely. Uh, I, I noticed that pretty much every scene that he's in, certainly the, the first three or four, it, it pretty much every scene ends with him saying some variant of that, mm-hmm. which is either, you know, go home alive, or don't die, or life mm-hmm. is important, or don't get shot to death in an ambush, unless you're very important to you. <laughs> um, you know, it's just the hammering at home. Yeah. He might as well have, uh, you know, the coins in his eyes <laughs> the minute he arrives yeah. in this movie. We've all got to die of something. <laughs> Being shot to death by Billy Drago is how I've chosen to go. <laughs> and I'm quite happy with my choice. <laughs> because I get that theme. Um, <laughs> Welcome to All Rather Mysterious, the podcast that aims to unlock the mysteries of the past with the key of fact. My name is John Rain. My name is Eleanor Morton. My name is David Reed. Please join us as we present to you mysteries that have baffled the world. You had any noises? What about um, a door creaking? Uh, no, uh, you don't have to do it. That weird kadook that yeah, lights going off makes for some reason in films. <laughs> All rather mysterious. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, this is, again, talking about the music. This is where we get Capone's theme, which I bloody love. Oh. Yeah. It's the uh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Uh, and you get the little uh, Robert De Niro auditioning to be the penguin, which I really love. <laughs> he gets given his paper and he looks at the headline of the Crusader Cop and he goes, wow, 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 yeah, it really is. Yeah, uh, just watch Bobby De Niro read a newspaper, but I love that. And you know, yeah. of course, you know, um, Bob Hoskins has been cast as. Yes, he's got a great Bob. story about this, hasn't he? He has, yeah. And uh, I was lucky enough to have him tell that story to me mm. in person once for Empire. I managed to. I, I interviewed him once in the uh, in the lobby of what is now the Burners Hotel, mm. and uh, we did a public accessing where readers asked him questions. Mm. And uh, he was a delight. I was shit in my pants, but he was a, he was an absolute delight. But he yeah, didn't mind the he... smell. Smells <laughs> <laughs> like you shit yourself, Grace. I was upwind. Luckily, oh, okay. <laughs> he never knew. Um, and uh, yeah, so apparently he had been cast uh-huh. to star as Capone, yeah. and then De Palma came on board, and De Palma wanted someone who was well, basically not a Brit. Essentially, yeah. he yeah. wanted some authentic Chicago. Well, not not Chicago because De Niro's New York, but he wanted mm. an, an authentic American gangster figure in yeah. the role. Probably more so of an Italian American, I'd imagine as well. Yeah, and probably yeah. someone who you know, you know, who wasn't uh, overly hugely one hundred and ten percent pretending. Uh, and so he he got his old pal Bobby mm. De Niro, and um, they wrote a check. Now, the amount of money on the check keeps changing, and mm. uh, I can't find my interview with uh, with Hoskins anymore, but I'm pretty sure it was something like 250,000 quid. Yeah. Then I, I was sitting there having my cornflakes in the morning, and, and Linda's opening the mail. She went, oh, that. So we got a check here for $200,000. I said, what's that? Oh, oh. <laughs> and it said, uh, thank you, Bob, for being my... St- thank you, Bob, for being my standby. Love, Brian. And I thought, well, if Hollywood's like this, I'll phone him up a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, Brian, you got any more films you don't want me to be? <laughs> yeah, no, it's not bad. And he was very happy about it. And I've, like, like you say, I've heard him tell that story a few times. So it's obviously yeah. something he enjoys. And you yes. would. <laughs> it's like the story about Damon Wayans being paid not to be Robin. What? You're going to tell me this? Oh, well, Damon Wayans was cast as Robin in Batman. When Tim Burton was early on in the project. Was he? Yeah. Is it Damon Wayans? One of the Wayans. I can't remember which one. Damon Uh, Wayans would make sense, yeah. I think it might have been Damon Wayans. And then basically they had to say, no, we don't want you to be Robin. And they paid him what they would have paid him anyway. That's amazing. I never knew that. I never knew that. Anyway. Okay. Their enthusiasm wanes. Yeah, so who waned? Waned. I like it. what I was going. Wayne. Oh, God. Like Bruce Wayans. <laughs> the forgotten Wayans brother. <laughs> who dresses up as a bat. Yeah, I'm going to bat you, sucker. Yeah, and now he's got the coronavirus. <laughs> the irony is not lost on him. <laughs> I'm going to self isolate. <laughs> I'll get drive through. No, you won't, sir. They're all closed. Oh. <laughs> or you'll have to queue for an hour. Can I have the bad burger, please? 
There's no it's such fries. It should be. It should be. It should be. Yeah. Um, so, where are we? Oh, yeah. So, Ness goes into work the next day and everyone's kind of laughing at him. And uh, they've put uh, the, the cutting from the newspaper on his door. But Bricks. because he's such a strong man, a strong-willed man of character, yes. he decides to use that as a motivational tool. And he puts it on his <laughs> notice board. I would have cried. I would have just gone. I'd have said, Radicon, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who put this top cop, his umbrella twat headline on my door? <laughs> Why? But then he's, if, he was, if he was lacking the motivation, Chris, to get this done, mm. he, uh, the, the, the girl who blew up, her mum comes to see him and says, my daughter's the one who blew up. Yes. Uh, uh, Wouldn't it have been strange if something you have to say in that, then she had blown up as well. <laughs> <laughs> and you realise that Nitty hadn't actually planted the bomb in the hey. briefcase, but the family was uh, prone to spontaneous, violent human combustion. Yeah. And had no, no notice whatsoever. His briefcase was just full of papers. Yes. Yeah. Like, he's all, no wonder he's so pissed off all the way through this, the movie. He's lost his briefcase. Yeah. He had some really, really valuable personal documents in there and yeah. some pictures of his wife. His yeah. late wife, Edith. Who yeah. died horribly. Edith Nitty. Edith Nitty. Yeah. <laughs> she died in a knitting accident. <laughs> she required 300 stitches. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, but after that, he never, he never went near needles again. <laughs> Indeed. Um, who challenged him to a game of chicken, of course. <laughs> What's the matter, Nitty? Chicken? <laughs> my dead wife! Why would you remind me of my dead wife? <laughs> Read my facts, Nitty. Uh, I, I, I'm just talking about Back to the Teacher 2 now. Uh, anyway, so... Yes. Um, dead, uh, dead woman. woman. Woman's mother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where are we? Oh, um, yeah, so she comes to see him and says... She says something like, I just want to thank you, even though he hasn't done anything yet. For yeah. um, trying to get this man, who's an awful man, and he blew up my daughter. Yes. And this yeah. is this is when Costner thinks, right, I'm going to go and see Jimmy Malone, the policeman from last night. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask him to join my team, which at the moment is me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. And that annoying photographer, he keeps snooping uh, around. Yeah. And you get a feeling that they were going to do something with him, but they never quite did. No. Uh, so yeah, so he goes to see Connery. Yeah. And then Connery basically says, uh, "No, I don't really fancy being killed. Thanks. Mm. <laughs> if that's if that's if it's all the same with you." Yeah, he says, "I'm uh, a beat cop. I don't have to yeah. do anything scary or dangerous. I'm happy." Thank yeah. You. I'm a beat cop. I don't want to be a shot cop. If mm. that's cool. Uh, and at one point, he looks at a picture. I don't know, I don't know if you noticed this, but he's. Uh, he has his uh, St. Jude's medal. Yeah, he's he's you know kind of batting around a little bit. Mm. Uh, but at one point, he looks at a picture of a woman on the wall, and I wonder if she was meant to be his dead wife, mm. maybe. And uh, you know, so therefore, he wants to stay alive to honor her memory. Mm. I'm guessing. Who knows? It might have been Mrs. Nitty. It might have been Mrs. Nitty. This yeah. this explains it all. Yeah. Frank Nitty's furious. You were doing nitty gritty with my wife. <laughs> my dead wife. <laughs> uh, so um, Ness goes back to work effectively, mm-hmm. and in his office is sitting Oscar Wallace. 
Yes. I love this guy. Is it Charles Nelson? No. Charles Martin Smith. Charles Martin Smith. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. This is a spot on piece of casting. He's so good in this. He's so good in this. Uh, I read read an article with De Palma where he said that uh, he wanted Wallace to almost be the comic relief. Hmm. So he said that uh, he said to Charles Martin Smith that I want you to make the audience smile and laugh and like you, so mm. that they're going to be with you all the way up until the moment that I kill you horribly. <laughs> and it's it's going to be a real shock to the audience when that happens, and it is. Oh, um, and uh, and I really hope everyone listening to this has seen the Untouchables, because mm. um, mm. I've just ruined that. I think we've ruined Connery's death. You have. I think yeah. So oops. Anyway, um, and Josh Trank's ruined Capone. <laughs> Josh Trank's ruined Capone, which I haven't seen yet. It's not out in this country yet. But um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a real shame. But uh, Charles Martin Smith's great in this. Mm. He's very presumptuous. He sits. Yeah. Elliot Ness comes in and he's sitting in his fucking chair. Yeah. Get the fuck out. But it's what good. It's a good bit of Costner light touch though, because he says, you know, can I sit down? And then he sits down at his desk and he says, Oscar's really excited because he's got all this stuff on Capone. Yeah. And, and Ness is like, oh, brilliant, what have you got? And he says, you know, he hasn't filed a tax return since 1926. And then he's like, tax return. And he's like, yeah, and he gets up and then he just points at his seat and goes, please. And then walks off. I love that moment. Yeah, he's so uh, furious, the idea of, uh, you know, of numbers, of, yeah. of, of taking down Capone with, with you know, a calculator rather than a gun, mm. that he has, to, he has to leave his office. At which point Oscar sits down in this chair again, mm. which is just like, take the message. I'm like, honestly. Yeah, if I was him, I'd go, before I left the room, I'd go, oh, please don't wank in here. <laughs> it's the only thing I ask of you. He's got full roll down. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, um, I might fancy a spot a quick accountancy here if that's right with you, Elliot. No, no, no it's no. not. No, thank you. You can round your numbers somewhere else. <laughs> you don't mind. I'm going to carry the two. <laughs> no decimal points over my desk. <laughs> um, but he walks out of his office in kind of disbelief, and then standing in the hallway there is a Giorgio Armani dressed. Yes. Jimmy Malone with his little flat cap on. Oh. Looking, looking like, so cool. Looking so cool. And he says to him, do you want to go and get Capone? I'm yes. in. I'm in. I'm joining a team now. <laughs> but he says, oh, I love this bit, though, because it's, it's, it speaks so much about what's happening there. Where he says to him, come with me. He says, where are we going? And then he says, the walls here have ears. Yes. Yes. Mm. Which is revealed later on. Yes. Not, not literally. That would be no. strange. It would be but, something uh, out of the labyrinth, yeah. wouldn't it? It would be very, very strange. Very mm. weird. Very weird. Very surreal, but yeah, and then they go to um, they, the next location. This is, oh. I, I think, one of the greatest scenes in movie history. Yeah. And certainly, one of the most quotable and one of the mm. most iconic. Yeah, beautifully shot as well. A kind of low down shot where you can see the entire ceiling of the church they're in. Yes, um. uh, which is the if you're ever in Chicago, and I've had the pleasure to be there, but I didn't do an Untouchables tour, and maybe next time, mm. uh, it's the Lady of Sorrows Basilica in Chicago. Wow. So, Real church that they shot in for this, and uh, it's again split diopter yeah. heaven. So, oh, first he, instance of it, yeah. Oh my god, it's yeah. incredible! So, pretty much the entire scene is shot using a split diopter. That's how the ceiling is in in um, focus at the same time as as Connery and Costner in the foreground. Um, but then in the in the profile shots of Connery and Costner, they're mm-hmm. using a split diopter as well. Split diopter, yeah. in case people don't know, I was going to say is, we should explain. Yeah, yeah, is a uh, it's an attachment essentially, it's a lens attachment that you can put onto a camera, um, like a, a pretty big one. This mm. isn't like something you would, you would just slip onto your iPhone. Yeah, that allows you to keep the foreground 
and the background of the shot in focus at the same time. Um, and it isn't used that often, but the Palma is an absolute split diopter freak. Loves it. Blowout, for example. I was going to say, that's the ultimate Oh, pull. my God. Oh, yeah. with the owl. With the, the owl. owl and, yeah. yeah, it's just incredible. And uh, the fireworks at the end and everything. Like, yeah, oh. yeah. He loves it. It it does have a strangely disorienting effect. So in the mm. um, in the profile shot of Connery, in the profile shot of Connery and Costner, there's a slight, almost like a an aura or a mist around around Costner's it kind nose. It looks like a heat wave type thing. It does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It almost looks like it, it's it almost looks like it's two shots that have been composited together, yeah. but it's not. Um, but that's you know that's a technical thing, and we don't want to take away from the scene itself, which is just absolutely incredible. And if you are curious about split diopters, there is a Twitter account now called Split Diopter, uh, where someone's just captured loads of instances of it and just shared it on the timeline, and it's really good because there's lots of shots that you never really thought about being used. There's a few in Jaws, for instance, and yeah, yeah, that's worth looking into. But yes, this scene is fucking incredible. Yeah, it really is. I mean, this is, you know, this is so many great lines, you know, mm. that's a Chicago way, what are you prepared to do, which mm. is the Connery character's mantra, the, the challenge he lays down to Elliot Ness, who yep. is whiter than white at this moment, mm. and it's a straight arrow who needs to be diverted a little bit, just, you know, so he can hit his target. Uh, and it's got that, you know, just the iconic, he pulls a knife, you pull a gun, he shows mm-hmm. one of yours in the hospital, you show one of yours in the morgue, you know. Mm. That, that speech is just... Hairs in the back of your neck standing up. It's yeah. it's absolutely incredible. Mamet at his best, and this was a pay. This was basically a paycheck gig for Mamet, mm. and in a way it was for for De Palma as well, which yeah. is because he was coming off the back of a couple of absolute duds. And, and at the end so of the he, day, this is essentially them making a movie out of an old TV series. Pretty much. I mean, that's yeah, absolutely. People forget yeah. that that gets yeah. lost in this, but they've made it so fucking classy that you don't even think about that. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing happens uh, a few years later with The Fugitive. Yes. You know, which gets nominated for Best Picture and is an all time great thriller. Uh, mm. And people seem to forget now it's based on a, on a TV show. And at the time, it was like, really? This film based on a TV show? Are you sure? And of course, Mission Impossible as well. Yeah. But this film, this was basically, yeah, this was this is De Palma just classing the joint up. And, yeah. it, you know, it could, in the wrong hands, this could have been an absolute hack job. But it's Mammoth. Delivering some of his finest, you know, dialogue. Mm. It's some delivered brilliantly by great actors, and not in that weird, overly mannered way that Mamet dialogue can be. Mm. Especially when he's writing it to direct himself, yeah. and you have this overlapping dialogue, and you have these very staccato rhythms and and whatnot. Um, this this feels like it's almost it's almost like he's writing a caricature in a way of tough guy speech from the, the great movies of the 30s, 40s and 50s. But it works absolute gangbusters. Um, it's such such a great scene. Yeah, it really is. But after that, he he's basically getting um, Ness's buy-in to say, look, we're going to have to do some dirty shit to get this done. Yeah. And then afterwards says to him, well, we're going to need to get more people. And then he says, what? what? And he says to, uh, to Ness, we can't trust anybody. And he says, well, who are we going to get if we can't trust? And that's what he says. If you're afraid of getting a rotten apple, don't go to the barrel, get it off the tree. <laughs> so they go to the police academy and they get Tackleberry. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be great at this. He would be He'd great. just point a big gun at Capone and go, you'll do it now, mister. <laughs> And Capone yeah, will be ori- coming out and they're like, I can hear helicopters and machine guns. What's going on? <laughs> the original ending was Capone getting a blowjob uh, <laughs> at a podium, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and uh, when Nitty falls from the top of the building and lands in that car, Hooks, <laughs> Hooks appears, puts a gun in his face and goes, Freeze, dirtbag! <laughs> 
And then, of course, they, uh, they wind up in the Blue Oyster. Uh, and it, it all gets very, very wrong and very problematic. That's very where quick. they find the bookkeeper, of course. <laughs> that's where he is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> they find George Stone, who is Andy Garcia, who, fuck me, is yes. he good in this? He doesn't he is say good. much, but oh, he's such presence. I mean, this is a big star-making turn from him, isn't yeah. it? This is... Yeah. Had he been in much beforehand? I didn't look that up. No, I no. I think just after this, he did that Richard Gere film. Was it like Internal Affairs or something? Yes. Th- yes. This and that made him like a huge star. And then he did Godfather 3. <clears throat> but <laughs> but he, in which he's great. He's the best thing in it by miles, yeah. yeah I mean, is. Pacino's just having a laugh in that film, really. I was not what I wanted. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, he's... Uh, he's he's auditioning for Dick Tracy in that film, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I want Tracy down! <laughs> Hoa! Get me dead Tracy. I want his family dead. I want a precise actress. <laughs> Al, that's the wrong film. <laughs> it's the wrong film. Wrong character, wrong actor, Al. What are you doing? <laughs> I just love that film so much. Um, but he's great in this. Garcia is fantastic yes, in this. And of course, this, this scene's really interesting. And in yeah. it uh, reveals for the first time that uh, Jimmy Malone who is a character that we, as the audience, have already transferred our affections to? Yeah, um, we love the, the we love the the rascally old rogue. Mm. He's a massive fucking racist. He's a huge racist. Yeah, it's problematic. Doesn't like the Italians. He really doesn't, does he? No. He, has, he has all sorts of colourful epithets for them. He does, which I won't say here. No, we should not say that. No. Um, but he is um, he's trying to push George's buttons because he doesn't believe his real name is George Stone and yes. turns out it's not. And then when George points a gun at him and says, "Better than you, you stinking Irish pig." Yeah, that's what he says. Oh, I like him. Yes, and then at this point, you're thinking to yourself, "Oh, maybe he's not a massive racist mm. because he's just pushing his buttons. It's a deliberate ploy to get George Stone to reveal his true self so that he can join the team and they can see mm. what sort of what sort of guy he is and what you know, and 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 prove his mettle." Uh, but no, later on, no, he's a he's a big old fucking racist. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But the, then we get the scene, which is the one I mentioned earlier, where I had to put the subtitles on because I've always wanted to know what he says. Oh, they're sat in uh, Ness's office. So we got um, Oscar. No, sorry, we got we got George Stone, uh, Elliot Ness, and Jimmy Malone. Right. And the police chief, all that second in command, the one who was taking the piss out of him earlier. You know, let's do some good. The guy who went on the raid with him, quite high up in the police force. He's in the office giving a debriefing about what 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 they're up to, trying to catch Capone. It's all buzzwords, effectively. You know, we're doing this mm. and that. And then Ness is like, "Thanks very much," and dismisses him in both ways. <laughs> and, the, and the guy leaves with his tail between his legs and shuts the door. And then Ness says to Malone, "Yeah, so what do you think? And Malone says, I think there's nothing like vaudeville. <laughs> he says, what? I think Why? No, I think there's nothing like vaudeville. And then, go, and then Ness, confused, goes, that's what I think. But he's really confused. And I just thought, that's a really weird moment. And that's when um, George, uh, sorry, that's when Wallace comes in, as he does in this film. He'll walk in a room with a pipe and a folder. Yeah, and uh, and then they say right, and this is when Malone gets up and gets shotguns and says, right, we're going on a raid. Yes, that's right. He says he says um, he goes, we're going on a raid. We need one more man, and yeah. then Wallace walks in, yeah. you know, with his pipe in his hand. Yeah, um, just almost as if he was waiting outside. Exactly, pecker in hand, just you know, <laughs> tucking himself off. Have you finished the, with the office? The ledger. <laughs> yes. Finished the office? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm nearly done. Finnegar strokes are here. Please, <laughs> please, God, help me. Well, that's like, when he says, you carry a badge. Yeah. <laughs> Now you carry a gun. Yeah, it's great. So he says, he said, there's nothing like vaudeville. Nothing like, I think there's nothing like vaudeville. I think the subtitles person's guessing here, John. Maybe. I think what he's I trying to it. say is that the, the, the thing the policeman was just doing was an act. <gasps> mm. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. And that he's in on it. 
Okay, which yeah. he is, in yeah. fairness. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. Fully on board. So they they head over to the post office, which Ness thinks is ridiculous. Yes. And then literally um, across the street. Literally across the street, and yeah. they burst in, and then he says, "Oh, that's a great moment as well." It's like he's he's got this locked door, and he says, "Right, if we go in this door, we're in the line of fire, and we can never turn back." Uh-huh. And he's like, "No, let's do it." So he gets an axe, breaks on the door, and they go in, and it's full of liquor. It is oh. liquor wall to wall. There they are, liquoring again. It's so, it's, it's it's kind of incredible. It's and, licorice um, all sorts in there. It, it really is. They've got the white liquor. They've got the red mm-hmm. liquor. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't I don't drink, so I'm just guessing. Uh, but you I'm, see that's, Bertie that's Bassett run out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> shit! <laughs> he makes a die for it. His arm comes off. The bit where he gets beaten with a baseball bat later is just disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> so so this is um this is one of my favorite bits of shit acting. Oh yeah, the guy. Go on, yeah. of all time. Yeah. So the, the guy, the guy comes over to them and he goes, "Hey, this isn't right. Mm. This is no good." Yeah. And, and you're thinking you've just self-critiqued your performance, there, my friend. He also um, looks dubbed. I wonder does, if that was put on later. You know, I noticed this time around. There's mm. an awful lot of terrible ADR. There in this is film. same here. I'd never noticed it before, but there's a lot. There's there is a lot, and there's the scene we're gonna get, we're, well, we'll come up with later on. Uh, so mm. I won't I won't shoot my load just now. No. But there's just it you know we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Mm. Some bad ADR is all I'm saying. But this guy is uh, John Bracci, and he is credited in the film simply as Fat Man. Oh, and um and you know in a, in a scene or two he's about to get his brains bashed in, and quite frankly mm. for the the apocalyptic shitness of this performance he deserves it. He is pretty bad. Even the bit before he dies he's really bad as well. Oh, awful, mm. awful! Uh, but yes, yeah, so this is the bit where we get Connery again. I, this bit's a bit weird because he says, "You got a warrant?" He says, "Sure, here's my warrant," and then he hits him in the stomach with a shotgun. Yes. And then it's, it's weird the way the way Connery is in this. He's brilliant, but it's just the way he then holds court the entire room. He goes, "How do you think he feels now? Better or worse?" <laughs> Well, probably a bit. You probably got a bit of a sore tummy, Sean. Like a bad optician. Yeah. <laughs> Can you? Yeah, yeah. Which is clearer, lish one or lish one? <laughs> uh, then we cut to the very, very famous scene, which well, I'm sorry, will always make me think of The Simpsons, but uh, <laughs> where Capone's holding, you know, he's got he's got that big dinner table with the round table with everyone sitting around it, <laughs> and he says, you know, I like to think about baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know about working as a team, and if you you're out there and your fielders aren't pitching or whatever, yeah, and uh, and, and the he, fat man gets it. The fat man gets it, and there's yeah. a bit, they did this in The Simpsons, didn't they? Where that man goes, Mr. Burns is doing it. The man goes, "What are you doing, Mr. Burns?" He goes, "I'm beating you within <laughs> within an inch of your life." Uh, excuse me, Dang. what are you doing? I'm giving you the. Beating of your life. Look, if stop that. If you wanted him that badly, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> but because he's really weak, it's just tapping him on the head. <laughs> Forgot about that. Uh, it always makes uh, me think of it. Beating you within an inch of your life. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he it's properly um, again. De Palma doesn't shy away when he wants to show violence. And this, what? But what strikes me in this film, and this is the first instance of it, the mm. way it's staged. Mm. It looks like De Palma himself has looked at 30s crime scene photos. Quite possibly. If you look at all the sort of rictus faces people are pulling when they're dead in this, particularly I'm thinking of later when uh, George and Oscar are shot in the lift. George yeah, particularly yeah. looks like a, from a 30s crime scene photo. And the the way the blood's coming out of that guy's head, the way his hands are on the table, it just looks like 
De Palma's looked at these photos from the back in the day and gone, I want to do that when someone's you know killed. What? I'm sure he absolutely did. And mm. also, you've just made me realise there that this is a film that has two characters called George. Is it? Yeah. Oh, of course, George Stone and George the Baddie. Yeah, so when you said George George in the lift, I was like, hang on, have I mm. seen a different... Are you watching a different film? But that's right, mm. two characters called George. That's yeah. just fucking lazy. And that's end of part one of this episode of Smirchpod. We'll be back later in the week with part two. So please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like. And, you know, why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time. you're a fan of all things geeky, you're going to love Concessions, a brand new podcast by comedian Matt Hinton and myself, Beck Hill, where we interview your favourite cult heroes at Comic-Cons all across the world. We've got stars from Star Wars, Harry Potter, The Walking Dead and more. Make sure you tune in soon to Concessions. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.